Coming up on the show, a thriller last night. The Brisbane Bullets are in very good shape at the moment. We talk them, we talk Justin Shuler, and we talk the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. What is going on with them? Injury concerns for Melbourne United. And a shout-out to one of the greats of the league who pulls the pin on his career. That's all coming up on NBL Now. It is the 11th of January. Great to have your company. Good time to be talking on NBL now as well for the Thursday edition. As I say, good morning to Pete Hawley because, Hawls, we saw a thriller last night. We did. And and first and foremost, I think I like the Wednesday night games. I think I'm enjoying the little midweek break and it gets you a little psyched and ready to go for the round ahead. But yeah, a thriller was right. It was scrappy at times. Uh, it, It seemed like there was moments in each period where both teams struggled to score and in the end, Chris Smith, that's a big-time shot, and there's probably no better feeling for a guy who's been down in form, uh, hasn't scored, I think he scored double figures once in the previous five games, to to be given the ball with Nathan Sobey out. With the game tied and at worst you go to overtime, that's a really good feeling and hopefully a confidence boost from him from here on out. And and big for him as well because that three-ball is not really his type of three-ball, is it? He, he's more a catch-and-shoot kind of guy as opposed to creating his own shot. Yeah, which I think is why a lot of the Jack Jumpers fans were a little disappointed with the way the game ended. There was talks of, yes, they had fouls to give, but also because Chris Smith does have a slower release than most, he's a fantastic shooter. He's lights-out shooter when he gets his feet set. Maybe we should have crawled in. We know we had a foul to give. It's not a big issue. Try and let him put it on the floor and get past. And again, this is what we keep talking about with the Jack Jumpers on defense, which I'm sure we'll chat soon, is... Rather than letting guys settle for what they're good at, why don't we just try and force them to get downhill and go into the trees of Marcus Lee, Will Magne? That's a harder shot to finish over than just rising up and trying to knock down a three. And no Nathan Sobey, which I think was going to be the the big thing for me going into this game, Pete. And yes, the Bullets only scored 80, but the, the worry was how were they going to produce enough points to win the game without a guy who's averaging the best part of 20, 21 points a game. But they just, they found a way. It's that old basketball term of by committee. For sure, and you talk about finding enough points to get the job done. They probably didn't do that. I mean, they only scored 80 for the game, and the last three was was on the buzzer pretty much to win. And you look at the way the league's trending this year, 80 points is not going to win you a heap of games this year. But once again, Brisbane have shown they're actually the third best defensively rated team across the league, and that's a big shout-out to Justin Shuler. He brought that defensive mindset in, which no doubt he learned a lot under Dean Vickerman and all the other times that he's been a head coach at other levels and he came in, changed the culture around and said, we've got to focus on that end. And you look back across the season, they've actually been really solid in defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no surprise, it's bringing in a guy like Sam McDaniel. Everybody, every good defensive team needs a leader to set the tone. He's their guy. Uh, he was outstanding once again. And again, the Brisbane Bullets just get the job done and they're just marching towards finals. Yeah, they are. All of a sudden, they are right in the calculations. And and on Justin Shuler, who's someone that you know, Pete, but I I think whether Brisbane make the playoffs or the play-in this year or not, uh, it would be great if they did, obviously. But even if they don't, I I reckon if you're a Bullets fan, you can see the future now. And I'm not sure that they've been able to see the future for quite some time, but you can see that Justin Shuler's got a brand. He's got culture guys like you've spoken about before with Mitch Norton and Sam McDaniel on multi-year deals. Josh Bannon's on a three-year deal. So he's kind of the cornerstone of what could be a good team going forward. And Nathan Sobey will probably be there too. It, to me, it's starting to take shape. We spoke about this a little bit on overtime a couple of weeks ago where, okay, they, where they were sitting in the ladder, they were on the outside looking in. It was all about finishing this year on a positive note, knowing 
that next year was really exciting times for Brisbane. But all of a sudden now, okay, if they sneak into the fifth or sixth spot and just to get a taste of the playing tournament and understand that and get these guys who are going to be there next year and beyond a taste of that, they're going to be in even better stead going forward. But yeah, where they're at coming into the offseason, they're in one of the best positions, right, of any other team going around because they've got that core bench locked in that is contributing the right way. The culture's heading in the right direction. They're going to have a lot of money freed up uh, from mm. that Aaron Baines contract that Olga Ulrich has been reporting. Uh, the Nathan Sobey, obviously, we expect him to be back in Brisbane, but they've got some really promising things to look forward to and some moves they can make to bolster this. And I keep saying it, I sound like a broken record, that your superstars, to win a title, your superstars will get you to a championship series, but that bench, that rollover from year to year will win you a championship series. We've seen it from Sydney Kings the last two years. We saw it from Melbourne and Perth for a while, and I believe they're in a good uh, position to do that. What about the Jack Jumpers? Uh, they've lost five of their last seven. Uh, they're losing games at the wrong time of year, I guess, Hulls, because when the teams below them are winning, Tasmania are losing. What are you seeing at the moment? Well, I'm seeing obviously a team we didn't see the last couple of seasons, albeit the way they finished in this point of the season. They started a little shaky at times. Do not forget they were 20 minutes away from being 0-4 uh, in NBL 23 before turning that around. And what I'm seeing right now is they've lost six games by five or less up until this point. Uh, they've had two one-point losses. And these are the periods when we got to the end of December, January, February, the last two seasons. Those grind-out games, those games where every possession matters and defensively you've got to be elite, we just knew Tasmania were going to get it done. That was the mm. way that they always hung their hat on is that Tassie, the Jackie way of just grinding things out, whatever it takes, we're going to get enough stops to win. Uh, and we just haven't seen that on a consistent basis when games get close. And I think that's where Scott Roth's frustrations are at uh, in his previous press conferences of this isn't the team we have uh, on paper to get the job done. And uh, he's just wanting, again, more buying on the defensive end. But I think they'll be okay. I think, obviously, he's, he's a terrific coach and they still have a wonderful team. But it's just that defensive end and when it gets in the crunch time, he's got to figure out how do we get enough stops to win because there is no Sam McDaniel on the wing. There is no Matt Kenyon on the wing to set a tone. Yes, they're elite defensively in the big man department, but on the wings, there's a little bit of question mark when the game's on the line and I think that's where Scott Roth will have to figure something out. Injury news for Melbourne United. They play the New Zealand Breakers tomorrow in New Zealand. They'll be doing it without Joe Lawala-Chul, who's out for personal reasons, and Shay Ely, who's missing with a very minor concussion. This is uh, two very significant players that won't be there tomorrow night. It is, but it's also what Melbourne United built this team for, right, is for when they're missing key guys and other people can step up. And uh, a lot of people expected that Rob Lowe would be brought back. I don't think he's actually able to. I think something might have happened uh, the time-wise that he's not able to suit up for, for Joe Luala-Chul. But they've got Hook Porty. Kyle Bowen's been terrific. They've got enough pieces there. But this becomes an even bigger game. They just lost to Adelaide. They bounced back well in the past from their very few losses so far this season. They need to get this win because Perth's right on their tail uh, at second spot. They want to come for the top spot now when they smell a little bit of blood and Melbourne want to continue to keep that gap. So all of a sudden it was a big game, but now it's got even bigger because they're missing. Again, you talk about tone setters. That's Shaley on the defensive end. Expect more minutes for, for Delhi, no doubt. But Tanner Krebs has shown that he's ready to go. Flynn Cameron will relish this. Flynn Cameron will be jumping at the bit. <laughs> to get to New Zealand to play in front of some friends and family and say, hey, there's no Shaili. I'm playing 25, 30 minutes and I'm going to have a really good game. Big opportunity for the Breakers, though. I mean, to have those two players not playing. This weekend could almost set them up, New Zealand. If they can win both games, 
they're eight wins at the moment. If they can beat Melbourne and then go to Sydney and win in Sydney on Sunday, that puts them to 10 wins for the season. And then they are in business in a big way, the Breakers. Yeah, they are. Uh, again, they're, coming, they're a team that no one wants to face come the playing tournament, come the finals, especially a final series. You think about how well another team's played all NBL 24 and they're thinking, okay, we have a real shot at winning this thing and then you get matched up with the Breakers for a three-game series and all of a sudden you've got your work cut out for you. But I know they lost last weekend, but they're heading in the right direction and they're still trying to get the dust off. Will McDowell-White, Zylan Cheatham look back to his nearly best. I'm sure he's trying to get some rust off as well. They've still got to bring Finn Delaney back, but this is not a team that you want to play towards the end of NBL 24. Sydney Kings, Adelaide 36ers tonight in Adelaide. This game is going to be really, really interesting. There's obviously the DJ Vasilievic and Sydney relationship or breakdown in the relationship. He spoke in News Corp and said that he's happy to move on for tonight's game. He's even invited Fleur McIntyre and um, Angus Glover around for a drink after the game as well, which is great. But you've got that and then you've got the struggle of the Sydney Kings. How do you see it all playing out? Uh, I see Sydney ready have everything they need to fire in this game it, there is so much more added emotion to this game whether people want to talk about the Vasilievich thing it is there it is going to be there it's going to be in the back of everybody's minds all the media talk all the talk from the fans all the heat that's on the Sydney Kings all that is added emotion for them to go out light the fire and I think they're going to let it all out on the court and I'm expecting a real fired up team and uh, you, you shouldn't have to rely on something like this to kind of light a fire but it might be what Sydney need for a little bit of a kick up the backside and they're going to start to turn things around because we keep talking about where they're sitting. They're still in, in top four right now. They've got enough elite pieces that it only takes a couple of good wins, a couple of things to figure out, okay, this is where we're at our best and they can start to flow onto it. They're still... About six weeks left in the season, and if they're going to be playing their best basketball by those last two weeks, again, they're not going to be a team anybody wants to face. So I'm expecting a fired-up Sydney team, and DJ can say what he wants. DJ's had this game circled. This game means a lot to him, just like I'm sure it means a lot to some Sydney players. We can underplay it all we want, downplay it all we want, but I'm looking forward to this. I'll have the popcorn ready. So just on Sydney, Pete, if... if they're going to get it done tonight, are you expecting them to throw something different out there? Could we see a change the starting lineup? Could they structure up different defensively? Is there something that Coach Abdel Fattah has got up his sleeve to throw at the 36ers? Yeah, I'm not, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there is. I mean, they've tried a lot of things this year to kind of see what sticks and nothing stuck on a consistent basis. But to be honest, just from the outside looking in as, as an analyst, as someone who likes to watch the game and break down all the intricacies that's on the floor, i just like to see them play straight up man and, and trust the defenders like Jalen Galloway, trust those guys to just be hard-nosed one-on-one. And uh, we've highlighted some clips where they just become – I guess, lazy defensively because they know they're switching. So I'm thinking, okay, there's a screen coming. The screen never comes, but they're just pointing to switch. So if you want Jalen Galloway to be the guy to go to GJ Vasilovic, unless there's a screen that wipes him out, let him fight through it. Let him show that he's one of the best defenders in the league. Let him enjoy that task and try and do what he can and then have everyone else to be ready to have his back if a screen comes and cleans him up. So I like to see that real strong man-to-man defense and really put the onus on the players to get it done because I think they're more than capable and they're more than good enough. I'm very much looking forward to that game tonight. 7.30 p.m. Of course, check your local guides as always on ESPN. A couple of little tidbits to finish Angus Brand, a name very familiar to the NBL, two-time championship winner with the Perth Wildcats, uh, is going to be leaving Japan. He's 34, still playing good basketball halls. If he's available and ready to go, I'd imagine that he would be on a few teams' radars for next season. 
Yep, the phone would be ringing. I mean, the guy again. It's hard to find that kind of trust piece, in, especially in the center position. And uh, he's had a fantastic career up until this point. So that phone will be off the hook because you kind of get that big local, and it changes how you recruit. It changes how your team is shaped up for next season. So I would not be surprised if that phone is is ringing a lot for Angus Brand, and where he lands will be an interesting thing. There'll be some offers overseas as well. But I'd selfishly like to see him back in the league because, as I said, the elite locals are hard to find. I think the Wildcats would like to see him back in, in red, no doubt about that. I didn't, Let's want, to off with, I didn't want to say it. Well, I'm sure that's the one. You only had to jump on Twitter at about 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon, Hulls, and it was all there from the Red Army. Yeah, I'm expecting that to be the one they want back, right? And maybe Sly Keanu pinned it down to the four and let him play a little more free in the power forward position. But you just think about what that could be in those screens and uh, the problems they've had on the glass in the past. Not so much right now, and that could solve a lot of issues for next year. But I'm sure they've also worried about making a run of the title in NBL 24. Little shout-out to finish off to Jerome Randall, MVP from 2017, two-time scoring champion, Two-time All-NBL first team, just an outstanding player in this league, has announced his retirement. So we thought we'd just finish off the show with a shout-out to Jerome, who was just a total bucket at his best, Pete. Oh, man. We, we talk a lot about Bryce Island. You never want to get stuck on Bryce Island, but Jerome Island was something that uh, I wish I never had to experience. So much so that he still owes me a pair of Kobe 4s because we're playing at Kudos Bank Arena. They're my favorite shoe of all time. I was trying to stay in front and I had to change direction so quickly, probably like five times in a millisecond. And he split me out of my favorite Kobe 4s where I had to wrap them up with tape just to get through the rest of the game. And that's just the speed that he had, the, the ball on a string, the quickness. He was so fun to watch. He was um, one of the biggest nightmares to have to try and stay in front of. And yeah, unbelievable career. And he did some incredible things in the NBA and all over the place. And I'm, I saw that the basketball tournament as well gave a nice shout out to him. So uh, congratulations on a big career. You still owe me a pair of Kobe 4s and looking forward to, I'm sure he'll drop back down to the NBL at some stage and say hello. He's a fan favorite. Bring those shoes, Jerome, as well, because Pete, uh, Pete doesn't forget these sorts of things. Yeah. <laughs> I need them. They're hard to find. I mean, they're more expensive now, but if anyone could find them, I'm sure Jerome could find them for me. Hey, Hulse, thanks very much. Always nice to chat to you. And thanks so much for joining us on NBL Now. Don't forget tonight, the Adelaide 36ers play host to the Sydney Kings. We'll break it all down tomorrow.